All right. Well, a couple things that I want to highlight before we get into the message today. Uh, First of all, this is a a pretty big day for our church, as today represents the start of weekly worship services at Vineyard Christian Church in Perry County, uh, which is a a very exciting uh, development. And so right now they are about, well, they started the same time we did, so they're about 25 minutes in uh, to the first weekly service there. Uh, Ben Yee is preaching there today. Uh, Kevin Tress and Jacob Pleger are leading worship there today. We're very thankful for those guys doing that. And one of the very exciting things is that we have a developing group of core team members that are local to Perry County And they are overseeing all the other aspects of the service. So they are fully staffing children's ministry and fully staffing things like the welcome team. And so that's a very exciting thing. And and that group of people is is growing and we're adding more to it. And so we really believe that we're going to see this church uh, get off the ground in the coming weeks and months. And so I just thought it would be appropriate for us to, uh, to pray for them. Uh, today. So uh, I'll pray, but if you wouldn't mind to just join with me, send up your own prayers to the Lord, and uh, let's just pray for God's blessing on that effort. God, we thank you so much uh, for your guidance as we have sought to establish a vineyard church in Perry County. God, you know today is a real milestone for that endeavor, and I thank you for all of the local people Thank you for Ben and Kevin and Jacob and all the folks that are investing in that um, today. And I just ask you bless them. I pray that you would anoint Ben to preach your word. I pray that you uh, just anoint Kevin and Jacob as they lead worship. I pray, God, for all the core team members as they uh, serve for the first time in the context of this church, uh, that you would just bless them and empower them and uh, help us to be very welcoming to everybody that comes in the doors uh, of, uh, of that place. God, I thank you for this church that so generously uh, supported that effort. I just pray, God, that the coming uh, days and weeks would see a lot of good fruit uh, result from that. And um, we, we just ask, God, that uh, you would draw lots of people to that place and that they would find you there. And uh, we thank you for these things. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Well, if you would, keep that uh, in your prayers. And then there was one other thing that I felt like I needed to acknowledge today. As Michelle referenced during the uh, uh, worship, during the singing, a lot of big events have happened in our world since we were here a week ago. Uh, Specifically, I'm thinking of what's happened in France this week. And um, as I was thinking about that this week and feeling like I needed to come and say something about it. Uh, I ran into some things on uh, Facebook. You know, you don't find a lot of great stuff on Facebook, but every every once in a while you find something worthwhile on Facebook. And I saw the postings of a a pastor in Tennessee, a a man by the name of Dan Scott. He posted a couple of things uh, regarding what happened in France this week that kind of summarized how I feel and, and I just thought that it would be uh, good for me to maybe read what he wrote. So that's what I want to do uh, here today. <clears throat> Here's what he wrote. It's amazing to me how many people seem to have deceived themselves into denying the reality of evil. By evil, I don't mean maladjustment, poorly educated, or desperate. I mean disembodied forces of the kingdom of darkness that work to kill, steal, and destroy by taking over the minds and hearts of human beings. 
Even many Christians do not take evil seriously, although Jesus certainly taught it. Unfortunately, when we refuse to acknowledge evil, we unwittingly cooperate with it. That is what Prime Minister Chamberlain did with Hitler. With the greatest intentions, the Prime Minister tried to negotiate with a man possessed by raw evil. We are all sinful people, but we are not all evil people. We can be forgiven of our sin, but we must be delivered of evil. Hitler was not forgiven. He was cast out. Hitler would have never opened the gates of the camps through negotiations. Someone had to force them open. I deplore war and violence. Our faith teaches us to live in peace with all as much as lies within you. I try to practice that. But there comes a time when one has done everything possible, but the darkness will just not stop killing, stealing, and destroying. At such a time, there is nothing left in the person with which we can keep on negotiating, forgiving, or conversing until we cast out the evil presence. When a family member is addicted, we may keep on feeding his addiction because we just can't believe our loved one would treat us that poorly. But we have to face the fact our loved one has been taken over by darkness and requires serious intervention. That, it seems to me, is where we are with this current global malignancy. Uh, That summarizes very well how I feel about what's going on. And so... I believe that it's time that we as a nation lay aside our political correctness and stop being so naive, acknowledge that there is evil that simply cannot be negotiated with but must be defeated. And so my appeal to all of us today, as we've seen all of the appeals to uh, pray for Paris, is that we do pray for Paris, we do pray for peace, but we also pray for the right actions to be taken that will eventually lead to peace. Sometimes there has to be conflict before you get to the peace. And it seems as though that time has come. And so I ask that you would pray for peace, pray for wisdom and clarity for our leaders, that they would see what they are facing and be willing to act accordingly. The same pastor posted a video of hundreds, perhaps thousands of Coptic Christians singing praises to Jesus. And he wrote these beautiful words, these powerful words, Uh, attached to this video. He wrote this. This is what wins in the end. When ISIS has spent its last ounce of energy, you will look around at the Arab-speaking world at an endless sea of people shouting, Jesus is Lord. It's going to happen. Amen. Amen. So let me just encourage you to be praying, pray for peace, pray for action, And pray for that day when the Arab-speaking world is full of people singing praises to Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Well, today is Baptism Sunday, and uh, we have at least three people who are getting baptized today. Uh, We have some preteens and teenagers that are being baptized today. And this is a very exciting thing because we talk around here quite a bit about how important it is for someone to come to faith, make a commitment to Christ before their 18th birthday. And so having these younger people get baptized today uh, is just exciting because it shows that that is happening in this church. People are coming to faith uh, in their younger years. 
And it occurred to me as we were preparing for Baptism Sunday that I haven't preached on baptism in over four years. I think it's been probably around four and a half years or so. And so I decided to take a break. Some of you will be very relieved from the Love, Sex, and God series and, uh, and focus today uh, on baptism. I have a pretty simple, straightforward presentation that uh, covers some of the more important aspects of baptism. Uh, today's message is going to cover the main points that we cover in our baptism class. And as such, we're going to do something that we have never done before here at Vineyard Pataskala, and that is this. If you did not sign up for baptism, didn't take the baptism class, but during the message today, you decide that you want to be baptized, then we will baptize you today. You'll need to be able to make a clear profession of faith in Jesus. You'll need to be able to fill out a baptism application very quickly. And you'll need to be able to change into some baptism clothes that we'll provide you. But if you want to be baptized and you've truly trusted in Christ for salvation, then we will baptize you on the spot today. So, so let's consider for the next few minutes some, uh, some things that tell us how important baptism really is. And the first thing that I uh, think is important for us to start out understanding is that baptism itself does not uh, save a person. There are church traditions that teach this. Uh, it's called baptismal regeneration. Some denominations that practice infant baptism believe that when the infant uh, is baptized that they are then at that moment uh, saved. Some other denominations believe that whether infant or adult, the baptism is required for a person to be saved. But the Bible teaches something very different than that. And one of the places you see something quite different taught is Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9. They say, for it is by grace you've been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. We are saved by grace through faith in Christ. We're not saved by works. We're not saved by anything that we, uh, that we do. Romans 10, 9 and 10 make this same point. They say this, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess and are saved. And then if you read down just a few more verses to Romans 10, 13, you find this, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. No mention of baptism, simply call on the name of the Lord and you will be saved. And so all of this lets us know that salvation comes simply uh, by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And then Romans 3.28, your outline says 8.28, but that was a mistake I failed to catch. Romans 3.28 says this, we maintain that a person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Now, I'm not suggesting that baptism is part of the works of the law, but again, this is driving home the point that there is nothing to do to be saved except to simply have faith in Jesus. And so this has led us, as well as most Bible-believing Christians, to conclude that baptism does not save a person. 
But there's something very unfortunate that has happened in much of the church in response to that. And that is that this has led many to conclude that baptism is not all that important. People say things like, well, if it doesn't save you, then I don't really see why it matters one way or another uh, whether you do it. Or people will acknowledge, I came to faith a long time ago, but I've just never seen the point of baptism and and never felt like it was that big a deal. So, uh, I mean, after all, we're saved by by grace through faith. So why why do I need to be baptized? I I just haven't bothered with it. And these and other similar sentiments are very unfortunate. Because while it is true that baptism doesn't save you, baptism is very important. It is extremely important. We, we know it's important because Jesus himself was baptized. That's how his public ministry got started. We know it's important because Jesus' final instructions to his disciples before he ascended into heaven included the command to baptize all new believers. And we know it's important because the pattern throughout the early church was that new believers were baptized soon after their conversion. In fact, in the New Testament, what you'll see is they were baptized almost immediately upon conversion. And here's one of the key things that I think if someone has not been baptized, they have to see. Jesus simply would not have included baptism in the Great Commission, his central charge to his church. He would not have included it there if it wasn't important, if it didn't matter, if it was a take it or leave it kind of thing. Baptism is extremely important. And as we understand the reasons for baptism, it really emphasizes to us why it's so important. And so I want to share with you four reasons why believers need to be baptized and why if you haven't been baptized, you should very, very soon, even like today, you should be baptized. The first reason believers should be baptized, that you should be baptized if you haven't, is in order to be obedient to Jesus. Again, the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 19. Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. If this was the only reason to be baptized, it is enough. Jesus, who when he becomes your savior, also becomes your Lord, has said that everyone who becomes one of his disciples is to be baptized. An unbaptized Christian might simply be a Christian that hasn't had baptism explained to them, might be someone who hasn't understood the importance of baptism maybe hasn't understood it to be a matter of obedience to Jesus. But if an unbaptized Christian has had the importance of baptism highlighted to them, if an unbaptized Christian has been shown in the scriptures that baptism is a matter of obedience to Jesus, and if they still have not taken the step of being baptized, then an unbaptized Christian is a disobedient Christian. 
Someone who's truly a follower of Jesus is someone who either has been baptized or is intending to be baptized at their first opportunity. In fact, that's one of our membership requirements here. You've either been baptized in a Christian church or you're committed to being baptized at your first opportunity. And here's why. It is a matter of obedience to Jesus. And if that's all the reason we need, that's enough for being obedient to Jesus. Here's the second reason believers should be baptized. It's because baptism is an important way that we publicly identify with Jesus. It is a way of going public with your faith. Pastor Stuart Briscoe writes, as a person steps into the baptismal waters, they demonstrate the fact that they are in Christ. Galatians 3.27, as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. You've, you've put Christ on. You, you've, you've made a public display of putting on Christ. You've been incorporated into Christ. You have publicly become a member of his body. Baptism is a public profession, a public acknowledgement of the spiritual reality that we've been united with Jesus. And we have a choice that we can make. You know, so many people throughout uh, the church over the last, well, probably forever, have entered into the waters of baptism with this attitude of, ah, it's just an outward sign of an inward act. And, and so when you think of it like that, you enter into baptism with all kinds of unhelpful thoughts. You enter into baptism with thoughts like, well, this is kind of embarrassing getting in this big tank of water in front of all these people. They're gonna see me all wet here in a couple of minutes. You, you, uh, you have thoughts like, wouldn't it be fun to do a cannonball off of this, uh, <laughs> off of this ladder? You have all kinds of unhelpful thoughts when all you think of is baptism as, yeah, it's just kind of a take or to leave it, outward sign of an inward act type of thing. But there's a better way to enter the waters of baptism. It's to realize what is happening and what God intends for it to accomplish in your life. And so it's very different to, to enter baptism, not with those kind of thoughts, but with these kind of thoughts. When my feet go in the water, when my body goes in the water, when I'm then put under the water, I am publicly professing that I am putting on Christ. I'm making a public commitment. This is a, this is a celebratory time, but it's also a serious time. It's something that we're joyful about, but it's also something to take very seriously what we're doing here. Baptism is a line of separation in our lives where, where we acknowledge that we no longer belong to ourselves and our old way of life, but now we belong to Christ. Much like the marriage ceremony seals the commitment between a man and a woman, and it announces to the watching world, the people that are uh, gathered at the marriage ceremony, it announces to everyone there, I am no longer available to anyone else. I am committed to this one person. I publicly commit to this one person. So baptism announces to the world, I'm committed to Christ. I belong to him alone. Here's the third reason believers are to be baptized. Baptism symbolizes that our sins have been washed away. 
And I would add to this that it not only symbolizes it, but it emphatically drives that truth deep into the heart of the person who is being baptized. In Acts twenty-two sixteen, the apostle Paul recounted his conversion experience. And he tells that after he had his encounter with uh, Jesus and, and was converted, that Ananias said to him, what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash your sins away, calling on his name. In 1 Peter 3, 21, uh, it is, uh, baptism is likened to how God saved eight people through the water during the great flood, you know, Noah uh, and the ark flood, and says that this water, quote, symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience toward God. In baptism, this symbolic thing powerfully and emphatically drives into your heart and mind the truth that you have been cleansed of sin and your conscience is then cleansed. When we come to Christ in faith, he he forgives our sins. He cleanses us of all unrighteousness. He applies his righteousness to our account. Baptism symbolizes all of this. But again, rightly understood, it not only symbolizes it, but it emphasizes it. It reminds us of it. It powerfully demonstrates it in a physical way. It's a physical expression of what has happened spiritually, and that physical expression has a way of sometimes making things more concrete for us, more, more real in our minds. Those who are in Christ are cleansed, their guilt is gone, their conscience can be clear because they are clean. So believers are to be baptized to be obedient to Jesus. They are to be baptized to publicly identify with Jesus. They are to be baptized as a way of symbolizing and emphasizing their washing from sin. And believers are to be baptized to symbolize their union with Christ in his death and resurrection. Here's what Romans 6, 1 through 8 say. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so too we may have new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with so that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. So going under the water, and this is one of the things that we should be thinking about when we're baptized, going under the waters of baptism illustrates our union with Christ in his death. And then when we are brought up out of the water, it illustrates our union with Christ in his resurrection. Notice that Paul says that anyone who has died has been freed from sin. So again, baptism illustrates this union in his death. Now listen to me. If a person walks into the waters of baptism understanding this, something very powerful 
can happen. Baptism represents the burial of the old person we used to be and the rising to life of the new person that we are in Christ. When we're baptized, understanding that the baptism is meant to accomplish all of that, is meant for that purpose, then God can use it in a very powerful way to set us free from all of the things that bound us before we came to Jesus, to set us free from who we were before Jesus came into our lives. Now listen, I am not suggesting that baptism is the key to then living a life of sinless perfection. None of us will ever do that. But here's what I am suggesting. Baptism can have a freeing effect on people who are baptized understanding it correctly. It really can help to set you free from the guilt of your sin and it really can be used by God to help set you free from the bondage to sin. Here's something I believe with all of my heart. God does not command things of us just to prove that he can boss us around. That's not what God does. If God commands something, it is because there is benefit to us for being obedient to the command. There's a benefit to us. And there is great spiritual benefit to baptism if you do it understanding what its potential really is, understanding God's intention for it in your life. So let's kind of summarize this. Baptism doesn't save a person, but it's very important. So important that theologian F.F. Bruce wrote of the practice in the early church, faith in Christ and baptism were indeed not so much two distinct experiences as parts of one whole. Faith in Christ and baptism, not so much distinct things, parts of one whole. In fact, we have to be very careful in what we say. Even saying what, what I've said a few times in this message, baptism doesn't save you, doesn't actually tell the full story. To be more accurate, what we really need to say is baptism is not what justifies you before God. Because if you understand salvation fully, baptism has a place within salvation. You see, salvation includes justification, it includes sanctification, and eventually, somewhere down the road, maybe not too far, there's what's called glorification. So baptism does not justify you before God, but it certainly is part of salvation fully understood. And so it's simply unbiblical to suggest that baptism is an optional extra. It's unbiblical to suggest that baptism is irrelevant. Take it or leave it. No less a biblical authority than F.F. Bruce recognizes that faith in Christ and baptism are parts of one whole. And we see this throughout the book of Acts. Let me give you just two examples of this. In Acts 2, Peter preached that great day of Pentecost message. 3,000 people believed on Jesus, and Acts 2.41 says, those who accepted the message were baptized. 
So the picture that's presented to us is Peter preaches, 3,000 people believe, 3,000 people then immediately get baptized. In Acts 8, the people believed in Christ upon hearing the preaching of Philip and were told when they believed Philip as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. When they believed, they were baptized. And it goes on and on and on throughout the book of Acts. People believe and then they are baptized. So baptism doesn't save you more correctly. It doesn't justify you before God. But it's extremely important, and it is part of salvation fully understood. So believers are to be baptized, to be obedient to Jesus, to publicly identify with him, to symbolize and emphasize that their sins have been washed away, to symbolize their union with Christ in his death and resurrection, and this symbol serving a powerful, freeing purpose in their lives. We absolutely should see faith in Christ and baptism as parts of one whole. And we see in the Bible that the early church uh, baptized people up on conversion. Faith and baptism went together. And here's the fact. Faith and baptism still go together. You cannot have one without the other. Baptism without faith accomplishes nothing. Baptism without faith accomplishes nothing. That's why if you look back over your life and you can see, well, I was baptized, but then you do an honest inventory of yourself and you say, but I had never placed personal faith in Christ at that time, then you are a candidate to be rebaptized. Because baptism without faith didn't accomplish anything for you. But the opposite is true as well. Faith without baptism is a form of faith that the Bible knows absolutely nothing about. The Bible cannot conceive of an unbaptized Christian. So here in just a few minutes, we're going to be baptizing a few folks. But as I mentioned at the start of the service, We want to give you an opportunity to be baptized today if you have trusted in Christ, but up to this point have never been baptized. Or maybe you've made the decision to follow Jesus today. If you've done that, we want to give you the opportunity to be baptized. You see, people can make the decision to follow Jesus at any time and any place. We've not given any invitation here today to receive Christ, but you could have received Christ at home this morning. You could have received Christ as you were walking into the building. You could have received Christ as we were singing praises to God. It's hard to believe, but you could have received Christ while I was preaching. You can receive Christ anytime, any place. And so if, if you just receive Christ today, we want to give you an opportunity to be uh, baptized. And, and so here's what we're going to do. Here in a few minutes, we're going to be singing some worship songs and our prayer ministry team is going to be praying for people with personal needs. During that time, I am going to be standing back by the sound booth on, on this side, which is the south side. I'm going to be standing on, on the south side back by the sound booth. And if you would like to be baptized, here's all you need to do. Just slip back there to where I'm at. Let me know that you'd like to be baptized. 
I'm going to ask you a few questions to confirm your faith in Jesus. I'll have you very quickly fill out our baptism application, and then we will baptize you with the others that are being baptized. You say, Brian, I didn't come prepared. I don't have any clothes to be baptized in or any clothes to change into once I have been baptized. Well, it is your lucky day. (laughs) Because here's what I did yesterday. I stopped in a very exclusive store called Dollar General. And I bought a bunch of really big t-shirts and sweatpants. And so we have clothes for you to be baptized in. Now, I'm not suggesting that I thought only big people would get baptized. I'm not, not suggesting that. We, we, we just wanted to be prepared. So. They do, yes, they do have drawstrings. So if you're, if you're not big, you can still wear the big baptismal clothes. They have drawstrings. And the reality is the shirts are probably big enough to do what needs done anyway. Never mind. We even have towels for you. We thought of everything. So there is no excuse. If you're here and you believe in Jesus and you're not baptized, you ought to get baptized today. Decide now. I'm going to do this in obedience to Jesus and I'm going to do it because I see that Jesus doesn't just boss me around. He tells me to do things because there is benefit for being obedient to him. So like Ananias said to Paul, I am saying to you in closing, what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized. Why don't you stand?